What's going on, podcast listeners? This is Matt from MyMedicsMind.com here. Just a reminder that the book releases on October 19th, 2019. That's only a couple weeks away, folks. But I got some more exciting news for you. It's available in the United States for hard copy right now. That's right. If you go to Amazon.com, you can get yourself a copy. Do you live in the UK? Not to worry. It's available there, too, on their Amazon site for both Kindle and paperback. Please head over there and get yourself a copy of A Medic's Mind today. gentlemen and welcome to a medic's mind the podcast thank you very much for being here appreciate it so it's a bit of a it's a late night for me uh you're likely going to hear this in the morning or throughout the day or over the next several days as you can hear i i still have my man cold but i am feeling much better than i was sort of uh, incapacitated over the past few days um you know sleeping on and off kind of bedridden but uh I think that part of things is over. Now I just have to wait for the stuffiness to dissipate and then I would be back to my former fighting self, so to speak. A uh, big day tomorrow for me. Uh, it is the first official book signing of A Medic's Mind at Chapters Vega here in Mississauga. And um, this is a, this is a first a first for me. It's a monumental uh, moment in in my life. I mean... It's not every day you can say that you're a published author and that feels pretty crazy to me. Um, you know, I, 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 this whole thing is pretty surreal. Um, and, and over the past, I mean, my book released officially on the 15th, but this is the first kind of book launch. And, uh, but over the past, you know, five days or so or four days that the book has been released, I've been receiving so many pictures from people who have bought the book or have received their pre-orders and uh, it's incredible. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. There's actually a guy on uh, Instagram um, who uh, his <clears throat> sorry his uh, his at his EMS Universe, uh, and he reached out. Uh, we've we've kind of he shared some of my stuff before, and uh, we've had some you know pleasant uh, colloquial exchanges via the, via the text uh, ethereal text machine that is the internet and. Uh, Anyway, he said that he would like to, he has a, a store, like a virtual store, the uh, EMS Universe store, and he would like to feature the book on there. So we're working, my publisher is working with him to to make that a, an eventuality, and that's really cool that he offered to, to do that. So that's pretty crazy too. Um, the fact that, you know, he felt strongly enough about the book that, that he'd want to do it. Uh, I mean, this guy's got like 73,000 or 79,000 followers, and he's willing to, you know, put my book in his store. Um, that's crazy. Um, but I'm deeply humbled and deeply appreciative. So thank you very much for that. His name is Brian. So Brian, thank you very much. Appreciate it, man. Means a lot. Um, yeah, tomorrow 
big day. I mean, it's it's coming up um, soon. I mean, like I said, it's a late night for me. It's about a quarter after one. Uh, can't sleep. Still feeling a little bit of trepidations towards towards sleep. You know, um, just nightmare stuff. Um, dreaming about the boy uh, quite a bit, and uh, you know, for those of you who are new uh, to the podcast, and for those of you who may uh, have forgotten, the boy is just uh, in reference to a call that I had went to uh, back when I was working as a paramedic. I just kind of refer to him as the boy. Um, it was a, a suicide that I went to, and it's been a call that stuck around um, suicide of a minor. And that's about as far as uh, as that uh, as I want to get into it. Um, yeah, so I mean, here here I am on the cusp of something uh, so momentous for me. And when I was sitting out on my patio about 20 minutes ago, I was sitting there having a tea wrapped in a sweater and uh, some big thick jogging pants, enjoying the nip of the fall. And I started thinking about my mom. And I think that's a normal thing because I mean, I'm about to partake in something that is kind of a, a kind of, a, I mean, it, that, well, the first time I, I don't think I'm going to be a multi-recording author or anything. Uh, so this could be the first and last for me. Um, and I'm about to do something that I never would have thought to do, but uh, I'm doing something pretty unique as well. Publishing a book, I think, is a unique endeavor. And, uh, you know, having having like an actual publisher uh, take interest in your work and feel it worthy enough to put money behind it and, and you know, go through all the the uh, process of, of putting all their money up front and, and publishing this thing. It's a big thing. And uh, and so I, I started thinking about sharing that with my mom. And unfortunately, um, I can't uh, really because she's she's just not here. And um, so there's some bitter, sweet feelings for me. Um, I mean, Thanksgiving just passed and, you know, that was a, a pretty big, big holiday in my family, at least with respect to food and how my mom would kind of go all out and do things. And, um, you know... Here, here I am now uh, on the cusp of something pretty uniquely incredible, and and I, the only person I really want to share it with is is the one person that I that I really can't um, because she's not here, and uh, and so you know that brings some bittersweet feelings into the mix of things because, I mean, here I hold this book in my hand, I'm holding it right now, and written with on these pages. Um, etched in permanence is the story of my mother's absence, the finality of it. And it was hard to write. Um, it was, it was really, uh, it was really hard to write actually a lot of those passages and to go over and read in the editorial process was painstaking. Um, at times it left me tear stained um, because each time I read it, it was just like another lash of the whip of reality. And it's not that I've been living in denial. Um, I accepted that my mother has gone, um, you know, back, back last year in, in 2018. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that it, that it hurts. And I, I think, the death of a loved one is one of those unique pains in that it never goes away. You just sort of grow accustomed to that ache and you learn how to navigate your life 
in such a way that that pain doesn't usurp control over your daily activities and your daily life. And amidst grief spikes, you can, you, you learn to navigate those, those spikes, those hurdles. And I think that's what I'm feeling right now is just a grief spike. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm about to partake in something kind of big in my life and I can't share it with my mom. And that's, that's a thing, you know, uh, because growing up, I, there was a lot of things that we like to share with our parents for the most in normative uh, circumstances. And, uh, and I couldn't do a lot of that then either because for a myriad of different reasons. Some of the reasons were the fact that my mom was quite sick when I was growing up. She was uh, diagnosed with cancer at a fairly early age. And we also had some deep family troubles with relation to my father on, on stuff that he was doing. And, um, and, and it was, uh, it was tough sometimes, you know, I, I really, I was, I was a kid trying to figure out where I kind of belong, you know, in, in a fatherless family. And, and I was the youngest in the family, but then I was also watching this kind of transient, uh, living situation with respect to my siblings and the, you know, uh, the tumult that, that so pervaded every aspect of our daily life with respect to my mom and siblings and everything. It was, it was tough. So I was trying to figure out where I, where I fit in, where I belong. And, um, and so I tried different things. You know, uh, I used to draw cartoons. I liked cartoons and I could, had a bit of a natural ability to draw fairly well, um, from what people would tell me. Now you're never going to hear me give myself a compliment because I just don't believe in it. I, to me, it feels wrong. It feels, uh, egotistical and vain. Um, even though I know perceptually, uh, and logically that I should be able to give myself compliments, but, uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. I was told that I could draw quite well. And, uh, and so I asked, uh, you know, my mom, if, if I could take an art class to try and get better at it. Cause I thought, Hey, if I get better, maybe I could be an artist. Maybe I could work for like Disney or something. And so that was a thought when I was younger as a kid thinking, Hey, maybe I could, I could draw cartoons and become famous and, and, you know, make my mom proud. And so we didn't have money growing up. Um, like I said, my mom was sick, so she couldn't work and we didn't have like a nest egg of money. So we were reliant upon government subsidy and, uh, and we lived, um, with, you know, with tight budgets and, and we lived in low income housing and, uh, you know, dealt with the, the issues of those, uh, you know, living situations. Um, fortunately for me, it's not like I was in Regent Park. I was in a, a small uh, rural community in, uh, in British Columbia. So it's not like I was living in, uh, in absolute squalor and, uh, in a lot of places that some, some people find themselves. And, uh, so in a lot of ways I was very fortunate. Um, but, but that aside that didn't leave money for those extracurricular things such as sports or, or art. And, um, uh, there was another gentleman that, uh, he belonged to our church. He was the pastor actually of the church that my mom used to go to. Now I'm not a religious guy. I've never been a religious person. I've always been a bit of a skeptic and I certainly always had a begrudging, uh, you know, gate about me when it came to going to church, but I would go, uh, until I was old enough to say no. <laughs> and eventually my mom would stop pushing. So, uh, pastor Carlson, uh, is his name. And he took a collection from the church and paid for my art class. And I remember being in art class and I remember being the most awkward kid in art class because I had zero confidence. So when it came to like showing your art, I was like, oh yeah, no, I don't, I don't do that. And then when it came to like 
going up and like washing your brushes. I was like, oh no, I already know how to do that. So I came across as a pompous asshole as opposed to a really awkward, shy kid that was just scared to death of doing something wrong. And uh, so that was a big, that's something I've always kind of regretted because I, I, you know, a lot of the other kids were like, this kid's a fucking freak show. And I'm like, yep, agreed. Yeah, fully agreed. I'm not going to say that out loud, but yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, so yeah, there was that. It, it, so the, obviously the art thing with Disney didn't pan out. I did, however, win a contest in uh, our fall fair. I got first place and I remember framing that photo and, uh, or framing that picture that I did. And I remember, uh, running home the day I found out that I got, I remember running home and telling my mom, Hey, guess what? I got first place. I got first place in this art thing. And, uh, and I remember she was pretty proud, you know, she was, you know, did the mom thing. Um, but I mean, that was, that was just one thing. And then I, I kind of craved more. I kind of craved some more of those moments, those big moments. And, uh, you know, the, the next kind of big thing that really stands out in memory for me that I was able to share with my mom was my first goal in hockey. And, uh, again, we didn't grow up rich. So therefore hockey is a, is a very expensive sport. And we, again, had the kindness of not only our church, but people who, uh, you know, their kids who were in the league, when they learned that I wanted to play hockey and I had this desire to play and they caught wind, uh, of my mom's health situation and and my desire, they chipped in and paid for my league fees. And so I was able to play hockey because of their kindness, their generosity. And, um, at that time, I really didn't know what that meant, that level of generosity. So I really didn't pay it much credence because I was, I mean, for the most part, I was unaware of it. I didn't really know or grow any sort of, uh, true awareness of it until I got older. But, um, regardless, they paid for my fees. I was able to play. And, uh, I started playing hockey much later than most other kids. I started playing hockey at the age of 14. So by the time I started playing hockey, by playing hockey, I mean like learning how to skate, learning how to skate with a stick, learning how to like play positions. I was late. I was late to the game. So, uh, to say that I was awful would have been a drastic understatement. It would have, you know, but, um, I have this, uh, this kind of pertinacity within me that I'm, uh, you know, I need to, I need to try and I, I have a bit of a scrappy nature and, and I, and so I studied hard. I watched people. I watched how they move their hips. I watched how they move their ankles, their legs, their feet. I watched their head positioning when they were moving their body a certain way. It's like, it's watching human poetry when you see somebody who's masterful on the ice. And so I remember picking out the guys that I thought were really good and I studied their movements. I watched where their hands were on the stick. And then when I would go home at night, I would stand in my room with my hands on my stick and I would practice. And I would practice doing what they did. And I would practice and I would practice and I would practice. And when it came to skating, I would go to the the ice uh, at the lake and uh, and I would put my skates in my backpack and then I would I'd skate around on the ice um, out out by uh, by the hospital. And, and I would just try to get better. And uh, I would kind of sneak out sometimes late and, and do that. And because um, I didn't want people to see me. So I was a little shy, but eventually I got, I got, I got to the point, I got my skating to the point where I was actually voted fastest skater in the league one year. And, uh, and that was huge for me. 
going from a 14-year-old kid who, who was basically a newborn calf on the ice to being voted fastest skater within the span of about a year and a half. Crazy, uh, crazy accomplishment for me. I felt really proud about that. And, uh, but I mean, the, the offense of the game was a bit uh, elusive for me. I wasn't putting out high numbers or anything. Uh, got some assists cause I could pass the puck pretty well and give it to people who knew what the hell they were doing. And, uh, so the other thing too, is my mom is a lot like who I am now, or I guess I should say I'm a lot like who she was in that I don't really like people. I like to stay in. I like to be indoors. I like to be where it's safe. A lot of times with mental health, uh, depression or what have you, post-traumatic stress symptoms, especially after having nightmares or flashbacks, I like to stay in and away from people and away from stress. So she, I believe, was the same way. However, I was too young to really comprehend that stuff. I was too young to really understand what mental health was, even though I was living with it, even though I was presented with those things every day, it wasn't something that I really thought about. Plus, it was a different time back then, and it really wasn't um, spoken about with um, sort of the, uh, I want to say acceptance, even though we have a long way to go. Uh, it's just, it was a different time, basically what I'm saying. And and so I to try and get my mom to come to games was a, was a bit of a chore. Plus, we didn't have a car. So when it came to away games, she could never come. It was just, I would get rides with other teammates. My best friend Drew gave me rides everywhere, or his parents did until he got a car. And then when he got a car and a license, we were all, he, he would give me rides. And um, and so, you know, getting her to come to games is tough. But whenever we'd have a game at the, the local arena, which was really close to where we lived, it was walkable. And I would have to walk to practice and to and from practice some nights uh, in the winter and then to and, to and from games in the winter too. And I, I, I remember I had this because we weren't rich and we were, we were very lucky with giving money for things. Um, but I had this like, like 19, like fifties hockey bag. It was this blue canvas thing that had very much seen better days, but that was my hockey bag. And I would, I'd sling that thing over my shoulder and I would look like a hockey hobo and I would, I would trudge through the snow getting to and from my games. And, uh, I remember uh, Revelstoke was a bit of a rival for us. Revelstoke, BC uh, was a bit of a rival that season. I remember there was a bit of a fisticuffs incident and uh, and that was fun because that was my first sign of on-ice tussle. And uh, and I remember going home and telling my mom when I got back from Revelstoke, I said, hey, mom, I got into a fight. She said, why was it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it really wasn't. I mean, we were kids. We had face cages on and really wasn't anything, but it was cool because I was a teenager. And I was like, I totally got into a fight and I lived off that high for a couple of weeks, but Revelstoke was coming to town. Revelstoke, our arch rivals were coming to town and I was like, Hey mom, you know, Revelstoke's coming to town. It's going to be a great game. There's going to be fights everywhere. And she's like, well, I want to see that. I was like, well, there's not going to be too many fights. <laughs> and I was like, I was trying to say anything and everything. And finally my mom acquiesced and said, yeah, I'll, I'll come to the game. All right. I'll be there. I'm like, all right, sweet. And so that day at school, I remember wanting it to just hurry the hurry up because I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I, I, my mom's coming to a game. Why isn't it game time? I went home. I ate a big bowl of pasta because I remember hearing that hockey players eat pasta, having no concept as to why, <laughs> but I just ate this giant bowl of pasta. I think it was actually lasagna that I did, like devoured. And the only reason I think I remember it being lasagna is because when I went to the arena, Somebody commented that like I had like sauce on the side of my face and they're like, what the hell are you eating? And I was like, oh, I don't know, pasta, man. And they're like, 
how much pay like you we passed right before the game was like, yeah it should be fine <laughs> anyway uh it's game night and we st- we take the ice for the warm-ups and i'm looking in the arena and i can't see my mom i'm looking around i can't see her anywhere and i start to feel this pit of disappointment just start to sit there like a rock within my stomach you know and i'm i'm kind of lazily kind of skating around, not really paying attention to the warm up, just every now and then casting gazes to the, to the crowd. And eventually from the other side of the arena, I see my mom standing there kind of looking to see what side of the ice the salmon arm is on. She sees us, she comes over, she sits at the, the, uh, the, the balcony seat there and I can see her. It's a very small arena. It was a small town arena, right? It's kind of, I think it was like an old barn that they just kind of re repurposed into arena uh, or into an arena. And, uh, and she was sitting there and I, I saw her and I gave her a bit of a wave and then, it, pff, then it was on, man. I put the afterburners on and I skated hard, man. I tapped my inner Pavel Bure and I skate like the wind that entire game. And, uh, I, it, so keep in mind, I hadn't scored a goal at all this season. I'd never scored a goal in my, in my hockey career at this point. And, uh, I got, I go off the ice and I'm huffing and puffing and watching my mom and she's kind of watching and it's a chippy game too. Right. So there's lots of hits. There's lots of things taking place. And, you know, I see my mom at one point, you're like, Oi, don't, don't do that. What are you doing? <laughs> she's She has no idea what the, the rules of hockey are, but she's yelling at people. <laughs> I was like, yeah, fucking what the British lady said. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm picturing it in my head right now. I could see my mom standing there going, Oi! <laughs> oh, man. So I, uh, I, I'm the next shift out on the ice. I hop out. The pucks are in our zone, and our defense is fighting to get it out, and the, the, the puck bounces out. I go to grab it, and I miss it. It goes past my stick. So I start hauling after it, and I'm way faster than the defense. I am hauling after it. And I end up getting to the puck and I throw the puck over to the centerman. The centerman takes it. So now we're in their end. The puck is cycling a little bit. I'm kind of hovering around where I think I'm supposed to be, kind of near the net, blah, blah, blah. Just kind of just watching the play unfold like I've done numerous times before. And all of a sudden, the winger takes a shot from the other side of the ice. And it hits the goalie's pad and it bounces out right to my stick. So the puck is on my stick now. And you could hear a fucking, well, I could hear a pin drop. And the goalie is on his knees because he had just finished making a save. I had a wide open net, wide open. And I see the defense skating at me in slow motion. And I just cock my wrists, shoot that puck, and I watch it fly through the air in, in just frame by frame by frame by frame, knowing I'm about to get a goal. I'm about to get my first hockey goal. And I watched that net float like a butterfly through the air and hit the back of the net. And the ripple effect of absolute euphoria cascades through the arena. Salmon arm section cheers. I'm baffled. I just scored a goal. People are coming up to me. Way to go, Henny. Nice. Way to go. Tapped me on the ass. Good game. Slapped me on the helmet. And I turn around and I look. And there's my mom. Big, beaming, British smile. Staring down at me. And I am elated. Because I got to share my first hockey goal. 
with my mom. The only girl I could ever picture wanting to score a goal for more than Scarlett Johansson. You know, if I could score a goal for Scarlett Johansson, that's sorry, mom, that takes precedence, you know, but, uh, you know, you're a good second. You're a good, you're a good stand in. Okay. But it's different, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So, I mean, there's there, that was huge. And then the next moment for me probably would have been high school. Um, because I think my my sister SJ, uh, that's my oldest sister. So she kind of she went through most of her schooling system in the UK, and uh, and then when she came to Canada, it was just kind of like um, I don't know what you would call it, like a bridging, I guess. Right. So she went through that, and by the time it was time for me to graduate, it was um, it was she was already like in uh, in college, and she's actually a teacher now, which is kind of crazy. That's a lot of schooling, and she um. She seems to like it though, and uh, it's a tough job. So hats off to her for for doing that. Um, but then the only other person to graduate from high school would have been my brother. Um, and I, I, you know, I have two brothers, two sisters, and uh, so it would be my my one brother. So graduating was kind of a thing. It was kind of a big deal, especially in lieu of the fact that our family was so fractured and kind of had so many issues. And so graduating was kind of a thing. And, uh, and so that was the next one. And I, uh, I remember I kind of, I wasn't really the greatest student. I didn't try really hard. Uh, I was kind of distracted, um, unbeknownst to me at the time, uh, just with everything going on. Um, and so, uh, my grades weren't the greatest, but I had to kind of work my ass off. And, uh, the last year of high school, I did great. Um, I did so good that I, I literally had an entire semester off, but because I had that, I had no classes. They're like, no, you have to choose some electives. And I was like, oh, well, can I just like go home? And they're like, no, you can't just choose, take something, take a language or like a cooking class. I'm like, taking cooking. It's not, what am I going to do that? So I took horticulture in German. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, and now my Deutsch is not so good, yeah? Um, That's all I remember. (laughs) And uh, don't ask me to keep a plant alive. I will kill a ficus in two days. Um, so yeah, so graduation came and my mom was healthy enough to come to graduation. And that was huge for me. I remember standing in line waiting for my name to be called and the, and it was, we had a brand new arena built at the time because we got a junior hockey team, uh, which obviously if you listen to the previous story, I was not going to be playing for, <laughs> but anyway, um, we got this brand new arena. So it was huge. It was a big deal. Was, everything was brand spanking new. And uh, I think we were like one of the first graduating classes to go through it. And so there I am waiting for my name to be called and uh, get the call, walk up, grab my, grab my, uh, my diploma. And I look around in the arena and I know, I know the general area that my mom is sitting and I'm looking over and I'm, I'm trying to find her. I couldn't actually see her in the crowd, but I remember knowing that she could see me. I was like, I know that she sees this. I know that she sees me. I, I did it. Mom, I did it. I gra- I did it. I graduated. It was huge. I I did this. This is incredible. And uh, and that was a huge moment for me. I remember, you know, we we stayed out all night because it was you know prom prom and graduation were on the same night and uh, and it was like an all night prom and uh, and it was it took place in one of the uh, little restaurants attached to the arena and. Uh, it was cool. It was a great, it was a great, oper- it was a great night, um, you know, spent with friends and, uh, it's, it's a night that I'll never forget, um, just because of how important it was and how symbolic it was. 
um, and especially in lieu of how things have worked out in life um, with respect to uh, where my mom ended up. And uh, so I remember going home that morning and uh, my mom was sleeping and I, I walked up into the room and I said, hey, mom, I'm home. And she said, there's my little graduate. <laughs> and, uh, and then it was me with a big beaming British smile. And then I went to bed and, uh, come, come that following, uh, fall, I had decided that, uh, I was going to be joining the army. So, uh, I had, uh, gotten the papers and applied and, and went off to the army, um, that January following January, I should say. And, um, so that would have been the next big thing. Um, I was in Saint-Jean, Quebec. We'd never traveled anywhere outside of Alberta and BC. Those were the only places I'd been to. So Saint-Jean, Quebec was like uh, foreign lands for me. Um, but I remember sticking it out, uh, even though wanting to go home and phoning home a couple times saying, ah, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe this isn't for me. And then uh, I remember my older brother, John, kind of sitting there going, hey, man, you know, what what's back here other than us, you know? Like, what, what do you have for you back here? And I remember he gave me a bit of a pep talk and, and it kind of helped. And, and then, uh, I stayed and it, and it was, a, I'm glad I did. Um, but the thing was again with, when it came, when it came to graduation, I was like, man, how am I going to get my family out here? I don't have the money to fly them out and they don't have the money to fly out. Like, man, this sucks. Like I'm, I'm about to graduate basic training for the Canadian army and I'm not going to be able to share this with my mom. And, you know, in lieu of mom's, you know, health stuff, what if she doesn't make it to any other kind of graduation for me? It's not like the army, you know, does graduations in salmon arm. Well, uh, one of the guys I was in basic training with, who I've remained friends with, um, Ryan Murphy, uh, great guy, built like a brick shit house. Uh, he's your, he's basically a fucking action figure. If you look at him, he's got like this chiseled jawline. I swear if you walk up to him and you fucking squeeze his legs together, he'll kung fu chop shit. He's uh, he's literally G.I. Joe. Um, but he actually, uh, he's, a, he's a firefighter now out in Ottawa. And um, he was in my basic training class. And uh, he kind of took a shining to me. Like uh, I think like a little brother in a way um, because I was kind of a nervous kid. Uh, you know, pretty skinny, all ribs and cock at that age. You know, <laughs> just built like a greyhound. And, uh, I think he took a shining to me and, um, I remember he always kind of looked out for me a little, a little bit throughout basic training. And, uh, and I remember one day nearing, nearing graduation, we were practicing drill for graduation. And I remember sitting on the picnic bench in between drill practice and, uh, and I'm sitting there sweating, you know, and I had my water ball in hand and kind of, I, I must've had a forlorn look on my face. Cause I remember thinking, cause everyone was talking about family coming and everyone was talking about, you know, their dad, their cousin, their uncle, their, you know, second cousin twice removed, uh, is coming to the graduation. And I'm like, man, I really want my brother and I really want my mom there. And, uh, so I must've been looking kind of forlorn through the wood, uh, grains of the table. And, uh, Ryan comes up to me, sits down and he goes, Hey, doing Henny? I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? He goes, good, good. Hey, so I got something to talk to you about. And I was like, what's that? And he goes, no, no, after, after pray, we'll go talk. Okay. And I was like, yeah, fuck sure. So we, we carry on through the day. Day progresses as it was. We go to dinner and then uh, go back up to my room and we're getting stuff ready. So I'm in my cubicle getting stuff ready for the next morning, um, which is just a general inspection. And uh, so Ryan comes up to my cubicle and he goes, hey, Henny, you got a second? I was like, yeah. He goes, hey, so I know you really want your family to come and, and money's not really 
uh, kind of a thing for you guys. Um, so here's what I did. And what Ryan did was he went around to everyone in, in my platoon and he took a collection and he paid for my brother and my mom to come out and watch me graduate um, basic training. Um, I still owe you a blowjob for that, Ryan. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I just ruined that, that emotional moment, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Um, it was an incredible thing and, uh, and it's something that has stuck with me all, all this time. Uh, I've been pretty fortunate in my life, um, with people looking out for me and looking out for my family and, uh, what Ryan did, uh, to ensure that my mom came out, uh, was incredible. And so when I, I, I was so excited, I ran into the hallway and I used the, the phone to phone home. And I, I got my mom and I was like, Hey mom, you can come out to my graduation. R- my platoon's going to pay for it. And she said, one was like, they're going to pay for your flight. They're going to pay for it. And she's like, Oh wow. And, uh, and so my mom and my brother came out to watch me graduate in basic training. And, uh, and so I remember parading and, and I got the, the Vimy Ridge trophy. I was awarded the Vimy Ridge trophy, which is the most improved, uh, from the day I showed up because the day I showed up, like I said, just a, a greyhound, all ribs and cock and nervous. You know, one of those poorly drawn cartoons that squiggle a lot. That was basically me. Yeah. And then by the end of it, that was not me. By the end of basic, I was stoic. I was statuesque. I was, I was determined. Um, I had the kind of stony eyed gaze and I was ready to go. And, uh, and so I, I won the Vimy Ridge trophy. So I'm in Saint-Jean, Quebec in the, uh, in the mega, as it's called the big basic training building. Um, there's a trophy with my name etched to it. And, uh, I never got a chance to see it. Never got a chance to, uh, to actually show my, my mom, but, um, yeah, so the, the, the day of graduation comes and we're parading around. I see my mom and my brother in the stands and I, I couldn't be more thrilled that my name was going to get called and it did. And, uh, and I, they got to hear it and I was like, that's badass. You know, that's amazing. Um, so I meet up with my mom and my brother afterwards in the hallway and, uh, and my mom reaches into her purse and she hands me this, this Ziploc bag of what looks to be kind of like dime sized medallions. And I'm like, I'm like, mom, what is this? What's this? And she goes, they're all St. Christopher. And I was like, what? She like, I got you St. Christopher necklaces for everybody in your platoon because they got us a ticket. It was nice. It was nice for them to do that. So I got you St. Christopher. And I was like, oh, what's St. Christopher? She goes, it's the patron saint of travels, safe travels. And my, so here's the thing about my mom. My mom is not what you would call a scholastic lady, but she had some incredible intuition sometimes. And she also had some great emotional foresight sometimes. And knowing that we were graduating basic training at a time where our country was entering what would end up being a prolonged conflict, um, the patron saint of safe travels was a really symbolic and really thoughtful gift. And everybody in my platoon got a St. Christopher necklace. And uh, I wish I still had it. Um, I actually lost it on training uh, when I was out in the field. I uh, I wore the necklace everywhere I went. But unfortunately, uh, one night when I was taking my shirt off, I realized that I'm j- I just have a necklace, but no medallion. The medallion's gone. I was mortified. Uh, yeah, near tears. I was a grown man in the army near tears because I lost this medallion and uh, I was heartbroken. 
it was devastating to me. I really, I, I hated it. And I've always thought about getting another St. Christopher ever since my mom passed just, uh, just to have, and, uh, I, I might still, uh, we'll see. But that was, so that was, the, that was the other big thing. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, my mom was pondering at one point when I was in a relationship, she thought I might get married and, uh, you know, that didn't end up being the case. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, she, she wasn't able to come when I became a paramedic, uh, in the civilian world. Um, or she wasn't able to be there at my medical graduation either in the army. You know, she was pretty, pretty sick around those times. And there was some other family issues kind of going on. It was, it was tough. So, you know, um, those, that was kind of, that was the last one. That was the last, uh, that was the last hurrah, um, that she was at. That was my graduation of basic training. And, uh, the other times she was there for me was after the tough calls, um, as a medic, sometimes I would go home and I'd phone her and, uh, Sometimes I'd even call her on the way home. And um, I remember I had to pull over once because I, I was really, it was really kind of, I was hit hard by by a call that we'd went to. Uh, it was just kind of a sad call. I won't, I don't want to get into it, but, uh, you know, she was there for me in those moments too. And um, I never knew, I like, I never asked her if she was proud of me for what I did. And I never really, you know, I never, I, I'd like to think that she was, I'd like to think that you know, she didn't just think I was weak or not strong enough to handle something, you know, um, I'd like to think that she was proud and I'd like to think that she's proud of me now, you know, this, this thing, this book, this day tomorrow that I'm going to, that I'm going to partake in, um, signing books for people. Um, not sure who I'm going to meet. Hopefully there'll be people that come out and, and I'll get to meet them and they'll, maybe they've listened to the podcast. I don't know. Um, but hopefully, hopefully something will come of it. And, um, you know, um, that's just, yeah, hopefully, but, uh, yeah, so bittersweet man. it's bittersweet. Um, I'm excited about tomorrow, but I'm, I'm also, uh, yeah, I'm a little down, I'm a little, a little sad, a little sullen, a little somber. Um, cause I miss her, you know, miss my mom and, uh, there's not really too much I can do about that. Um, I'm allowed to miss her. So there's that. And, uh, and eventually, you know, uh, that, that feeling will pass and give way to some of the more jovial aspects of tomorrow, I'm sure. And, um, yeah. So thank you guys. Thanks for listening to me. Thanks for being part of my journey. And, uh, thanks for being there for my moments such as this. Sincerely appreciate it. You guys are amazing. Thank you so very much. Be well, be safe. And above all else, keep talking to each other. 